All right, welcome to the Career Transition Podcast. Lots of fun. Last episode, we tackled what's holding you back when it comes to identifying your next step in your career. And today, we're going to dial in more into identifying your career sweet spot. And I have my friend here, John, today to help me with this and guide this conversation. Thanks for having me here. I so enjoyed the last conversation about the fears that we all face, either the fear of failure or the fear of incompetence, which is so important. Tell us why I feel like you mentioned before in your course about you disagreeing with Simon Sinek a little bit and how important it is to get over the fear before we talk about what we talk about today. Um, Can you share with everybody what you meant by that? Yeah, there is definitely a going joke in my community about Simon Sinek being wrong when it comes to starting with your why. I firmly believe that most of us, the reason we have so much trouble when it comes to identifying the next move in our career and stay in a situation that's not serving us, it's because we have a lot of fears that are blocking us. So my belief is that you need to start with your fears and identify what they are before starting with your why. Otherwise, you're Mm going to have a lot of things that are blocking you from toxic environments, from childhood that are keeping you from knowing what it is that you enjoy. I love it. So we'll start, we'll write a new book, start with fear and then go with why, right? (laughs) Yes. Excellent. Well, everybody, today we're going to cover what Nada calls the career sweet spot. This is one of my favorite things and I'm so excited to go through it. We're going to talk about what kind of problem you may want to solve, what kind of impact you may want to have, and what kind of style of collaboration that might be best for you. So let's dig into it. Nada, why do you call this the career sweet spot? I call it a career sweet spot because after discovering, you know, the whole thing that comes that a lot of people may have read around Ikigai, you know, the the Japanese um, philosophy around the reason for being, I truly believe that there needs to be an intersection because oftentimes people have this black and white thinking and they think either they have to do something that they hate and get paid a lot for. And that was my mistake. When I was in the corporate world, I was making a six-figure salary, but really hated my job. And that is the reason why I wasn't fulfilled, because the love my job portion and making a social impact were missing. Um, And then there are people who believe that, you know, like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter um, in order for them, you know, Um, to make money, um, they have to do something that, I don't know, they hate. So there has to be that intersection of something that you enjoy doing, um, something that you can get paid for, and obviously something that the world needs because we need to solve a need or a problem in order to feel effective and in Mm. order for us to thrive in our career. I love this so much because I think a lot of times people come to a career coach because they're in desperation for a job. And what they don't realize is that you're not a recruiter or a headhunter, you're a career coach. And so your whole point is to help people find something that's so fulfilling for them to be in, not just to meet their immediate need of finding a job or making more money because you understand the bigger picture of all of this, which is why I'm so excited to get into this. So the first thing that you talk about is What kind of problem does a person want to solve? 
Can you get into that a little bit? Absolutely. So, you know, the formula that we talked about in terms of helping people and identify what their career sweet spot is, is we need to first and foremost understand what types of problems we want to solve. I've never gone on a call with someone where the person said to me, I don't want to solve any problems. <laughs> we all get excited about feeling needed, you know? We are all excited about helping people. And the problems that we solve dictate what type of roles and responsibilities we have, what types of activities we enjoy doing in an organization. So it's definitely important to identify what that is. And when we do, we have a better understanding of how that maps into a job out there. Because mm -hmm. I've actually seen people with all kinds of different personalities who are equally effective at a particular role. That's so interesting. How do you then break this down a little bit for people of how to realize what kind of problem they like to solve? Absolutely. So a little story. Um, when I started my career coaching certification, I was a little bit confused and I struggled with the idea of helping people figure out what are the different jobs out there. Mm. So I remember having a conversation with one of my mentors and said, well, isn't there some kind of directory that lists all the possible jobs out there? We can just give them to our clients. They can go through them. They can look at the description and then figure out what they want. Wouldn't that mm -hmm. be simple? And it comes from when I was integrating. Um, there's a point system in order to basically figure out what are your chances of being able to go through the immigration process. And I learned that there is a job classification system. So there are different codes for different job families. And then there's a subset of jobs within that job family. So that's how I got the idea. But then my mentor said, well, imagine walking into a basically, I don't know, Charlie's Chocolate Factory. And you have all of these different options. Here's what's going to happen. Either your client is going to be very overwhelmed. and maybe get overly excited and say like, I want to do everything <laughs> or they're actually going to feel extremely anxious because mm -hmm. they may feel that they can't do any of these jobs. Yes. And so wow. the idea is actually to get data from my clients, enough mm -hmm. data for me to, to shortlist some of these opportunities for them so that I'm giving them less options and mm -hmm. they're able to narrow it down to that one. So smart. Yeah. I love it because this reminds me of maybe like deciding what genre of food we may want to cook. So I'll be like, okay, tonight I'm feeling Italian. And then when I go to the grocery store, it will feel like it's so overwhelming that there's so many different things I can get. I will go to either the produce section or the yeah, protein section to find what kind of meat I want, go to get some kind of pasta. I still make some decision, but it's not the entire supermarket. It's just the genre of food that I really want to eat. That's so brilliant. Absolutely. It's like going to a restaurant and then you're like looking at this <laughs> humongous menu and then the waiter comes and says, 
hey, can I help you, you know, narrow it down? And then yes. they'll ask you questions, right? To yeah. help you narrow it down further and further. Oh, what are you <laughs> in the mood for? Are you looking for something sweet or salty, right? And then <laughs> through, through that questioning, um, they make a few suggestions, but at the end of the day, you end up deciding. Mm. And one of my favorite questions is, what kind of impact does a person want to have? And I love that you brought this up. Can you speak more on that? Yeah. So when it comes to the impact that you want to make, you know, depends on what you're like as a person, right? Like I get, for example, clients who want to make, for example, a humanitarian impact. To them, that's what their definition of impact is. Mm -hmm. So look at roles within the public sector. For example, one of my clients, um, Miriam, she ended up working for the British embassy, helping, you know, kids, making a social impact. To her, that's a definition of social impact. Wow. Other clients, maybe they want to, um, engage, for example, in building products that help kids, you know, mm. um, and then for others, social impact could just mean something along the lines of, I'm going to improve, you know, entrepreneurs' lives by building mm. products that helps entrepreneurs. So we all have a different personal um, definition of what social impact is for us. It needs to be something mm. that's aligned with our values. And this is why part of the exercises that I give people help them truly get into the value portion. Mm. What, are, what are my values and how can I find organizations that match my values and serve people that I'm passionate in helping? Yes. And this is really going back to how money only matters up to a certain point. Um, which is why even though it feels like a very obvious answer, I would love for you to talk about like, why is this such an important thing that we know what impact we're making? It's very important because I truly believe that who we end up helping it is part of our hero journey, hmm. part of what we've been through as human beings. For example, you know, in my own hero journey, having been an immigrant having, um, you know, felt alone, um, coming into basically a new environment, struggling with adapting, you know, to environments, um, that sort of formulated my why in terms of who do I want to help? Obviously, we tend to help people like us, right? Mm -hmm. And so in my hero journey, I realized that someday I want to help immigrants who come to a new country or people who come to new environments and feel alone in the job search process. Mm. And that is that to me, that is a, that is my true definition of social impact, right? Because wow. I identify with it. I struggled with it and I do not want someone to struggle with what I struggled with. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So important. And talk about ultimate job satisfaction. Like, I see how much you pour into your clients and you're not keeping track of how much time that costs you because you really care about the impact that you're having on these people. And it's so different than the people who do their job and they're just counting down how many minutes are left in their workday because then they can get out of there because they're there for the paycheck and the money that drives them. But when there's an impact that's driving people, the motivation and the involvement 
and the care is completely different. Absolutely. Wow. Love this. And then you also go into something related to collaboration style or what kind of style of working with others do people enjoy? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So it's very important to not just think about the activities that you enjoy. You also need to think about what is your preferred collaboration style. And this is actually very much in aligned with what's going on in the world and the shift that we have gone through during the pandemic. A lot of people have realized that they like, for example, to work remotely. Mm. There are people who um, may have realized that they actually don't enjoy being in meetings all day. It drains them. And I've also worked with a variety of types of clients I've, you know, um, worked with people even with disabilities Mm. and people who have voiced to me that there's a certain way of working that basically makes them thrive. For example, they don't want to, they want to limit their social interaction with people and they prefer (laughs) going into research mode or analytical mode. Mm. And it actually they're not very effective interacting and collaborating with people, for example, through, let's say, um, live interactions. They would rather interact, for example, through writing or Mm -hmm. through some other form of communication or just the balance and the composition of how much time they're talking and how much time they're thinking. Yes. That needs to be dialed in. Otherwise, it's actually going to burn them out. Wow. I love how deep we're looking into this. This actually makes me think of when people are looking for a spouse or a relationship, right? If I'm an introverted person and I, and I end up dating somebody who wants to go to parties all the time, there might be initial attraction at first, but it's not going to be a compatible relationship going forward. So similarly, if we want a job that we're solving the right problems, maybe it's creating the right impact, but the style of working there isn't capable for us to sustain it for a long period of time that we're not going to be able to survive there. So I love that we're going into all the nitty gritty because you're literally providing people with all the information that they really need to figure out so that they can enter into a job that they can be at and be at for a while and be very happy and do what they really want to do. It's so well thought out. I love this. Absolutely. That's why I call it a complete system because Mm -hmm. it's not helpful to just look at one piece of the puzzle you need to look at the entire thing holistically yes. in order to figure out what you want. Wow. Well, as somebody who has jumped from job to job in the past, uh, maybe every other year or something like that, I can really see how if I had taken the time to really look at all of this, I could have probably done a much better job um, looking for a, the kind of right job. Um, we covered these three things, which is super cool. Do you feel like there's anything we left out before we go into our Q&A section? No, I think I think this is good. And in the later episodes, obviously, we're going to deep dive into some of the practical tools that I share with my clients in order to figure out those different pieces. But this to me is a um, formula that I iterated on based on Ikigai, based on different types of, you know, assessments. Um, And after working with more than 100 people one-on-one, 
um, to basically land jobs that they love. Mm. So everybody, if you are wondering, yes, there are specific exercises that Nada has already uh, alluded to that is a part of her program. So if you want to find out more about this after, either DM Nada, go to our website, which is going to be in the show notes or in the description, and you can find out more about that because I think going through these exercises, you'll find out more about yourself as well. This is not just a job discovery process. It's also a self-discovery process, which is so, so cool. Now, we have a couple of questions from the people in your community. And so I think this would really help the listeners or the watchers as well. We have here the first question and it says, hi, everyone. Hope you had a, the chance to enjoy some sunshine yesterday. Oh, what a nice person. She says, I am working on my chunks of 10 exercise and feel like I can't remember much from my early experience. I'm having a major brain block. How did you all get around completing this exercise? So we're kind of letting the bag, the cat out of the bag a little bit. There is an exercise called chunks of 10. And, you know, even if people have done these exercises separately to do it within your container that's associated with the other exercises makes such a big difference. So tell us a little bit about how you went about answering this question. Absolutely. So spoiler alert, and we're going to deep dive into that later on. But there is. <laughs> We're very generous people. We are, we are spoiling people here, John. Yeah. But um, anyway, the Chunks of 10 is a journaling exercise that I give people in order to identify the activities that they enjoy. So we talked about the types of problems that you enjoy solving. And a lot of people, if I just say, hey, what type of problems do you love solving? Uh, yeah, their brain is going to go blank. And so my belief is that um, we need to actually look at your entire career holistically, but not just your career, your life as well. Because not all of us, especially if we don't feel fulfilled or if we're going through a career transition, not all of us had the privilege of doing things that we necessarily enjoy and get paid for on the job. We may have been doing them either as a side gig or a side hobby, or it may have been something that we were doing since childhood. So I give people this journaling exercise where they write about moments and activities that they've enjoyed from childhood, from birth, all the way to present. And mm -hmm. I get them to chunk out their life in increments of 10. So for every 10 year increment or a decade increment, they um, list out a few activities that they really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. um, and so what this helps me do, along with other, other exercises, is to use data as a way to, to help people see the patterns. Because personality exercises, they may help us understand ourselves better, but they don't help us map it into an actual ideal job out there. Mm. And like I mentioned before, you know, um, there are people with different personalities who enjoy particular jobs. So we need to figure out the actual tasks and activities mm -hmm. that we performed in the past in order to determine um, what kind of problems we solve and what kind of role out there that has those activities. So in this question, the person obviously um, was struggling, right? Was mm -hmm. struggling with remembering you know, things that she enjoyed doing. So a few hints that I give people to help them go through this is to not overthink it. 
we tend to jump into this whole, um, I will say, solutioning mode. Yeah. Where we're trying to map, you know, what we've done and remember what we've done all at the same time. Mm. Um, and for my folks who are into tech and building products, and for anyone who does anything, you know, uh, in their life, if you try to analyze and solution and run a discovery, you're overwhelming <laughs> yourself. Oh, like yeah. You're writing a book, too. Sometimes mm -hmm. we just have to do a brain dump, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I invite people to just journal and not judge themselves. Mm -hmm. Try to connect the dots so early, so early on. Um, and another thing that I say is sometimes, you know, the moments in our life that triggered a strong emotion are the ones that you should write about. And oh. also talking it through, you know, with a colleague or a friend, you know, do you remember what do you remember about me? And uh, do you remember this project that we worked on? Can you remind me, you know, what it was like and how I was like, you know, that kind mm. of thing. Absolutely. I could really imagine parents or siblings also helping with the younger years specifically. Absolutely. But as you're, as you're speaking, I'm kind of like, wow, if you were to, if I, you had not explained that, I would have never associated me not liking to play with, like, Play with Lego is a great example of like a problem that you like to solve. And, but it was just playing. So if I don't associate that with solving a problem, I would totally bypass that and not realize that I loved those type of activities when I was younger. For me, it was definitely relational. Like I like playing house and things or like pretend to be Power Rangers and solve a problem with whatever. And I would never have thought about that if you didn't articulate it like that. So that's so fun. The next question that we have is, I'm frustrated about not really knowing what I want. Hmm. Sounds like a lot of us. I feel like this whole ball of wax is hinging on me knowing what I want. I just want to make more. And I feel terrible about that. Like I'm being greedy or something. Have no idea how to narrow down to one job posting with all the options. Wow. So we talked about this a little bit earlier. And it definitely seems like really job hunting. I've been in a situation where I felt like there's so many options. And so how did you go about answering this question? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so this client in particular, um, she's amazing. And she's, she was in a situation where she was actually doing a lot of invisible work at the mm. company that she was in. And she would find ways to do things that she truly enjoys. Um, she's into diversity, equity, and inclusion. She loves coaching people. She loves helping people learn. She was doing all kinds of activities. Um, and so part of what was going on is while she was wearing all these different hats, even got an award from you know one of the executives for of diversity equity inclusion in that organization for going above and beyond um and when her and i talked we realized that she was not being compensated for all those things wow and 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 i think what was what's going on is she realizes that and she wants that compensation but then there is that guilt around it mm. And I see that a lot in people who are so successful, so ambitious, they mm. totally undervalue themselves 
and they know they are, but they feel guilty for asking more. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that is where the money mindset issues, you know, need to be resolved. And what we talked about in terms of fears, right? That needs to be resolved. Yes. We should not judge ourselves just because we're doing good doesn't mean that we can't do better, right? Mm-hmm. Like maybe our friends will tell us, oh, you should be happy. You know, you're being well compensated and we mm-hmm. measure against what people feel is good and we mm-hmm. should be grateful, but it shouldn't be the case. Mm-mm. I mean, if, if, if that's how top athletes or um, top entrepreneurs or, um, you know, like people like Bill Gates, you know, thought, and then you would not have a Bill Gates in the yes. world, right? Yeah. Um, we definitely have to measure against ourselves rather than mm-hmm. other people. Yep. Um, and in this particular situation, um, I invited the person to, um, to just, uh, you know, not think about that as a factor the mm. money, and not feel bad about it. And just mm-hmm. write down all the different things that she enjoys doing um, without trying to censor anything or feel bad about asking for more. Mm. So good. And I think these are such complex things to think about, which once again, I love that this is not just a job discovery process, but this is a self-discovery process. The more we can really learn about ourselves and all the things that are going on inside of us, like our issue with money or our issue with promotions or positions or worthiness, then we really put ourselves in that advantageous state of getting a job that deserves us and that we deserve, and we feel highly satisfied in it. Nana, you're so generous sharing all of these things. I love it. For everybody who's listening right now, If you like to dig even deeper and you felt like we were going a little bit more broad strokes today, you're welcome. We're about to go in the next three episodes into each of these and some more. So the next episode, we're going to look at the problem you love to solve. And we're going to get really nitty gritty into this because we love helping you figure out what it is that works best for you. But is there anything that we touched on today that you wanted to finish off with, Nada? No, I think this is great. And I'm so excited for the next episodes because we're definitely going to dig super deep. This is going to help a lot of people when it comes to identifying their sweet spot and and translating it to a job out there. Mm -hmm. So if you're listening to this right now and you feel like you're understanding your career sweet spot some more and you know a friend who is struggling with what they're looking for, then share this episode with them and talk to them about what you really got out of this episode. Share the link with them and then ask them what they got out of this episode as well. We're here to help people find the most incredible fulfilling jobs that they can get because this really matters. Until then, we'll talk to you in the next episode. It's the success not only to think, but to act outside of the box. You need a coach to help guide you on what your sweet spot is. What you do works, period.